Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike, and we wrap up our trilogy of perspective-shifting films here. We talked Rashomon, Snake Eyes, and The Last Jedi. And, you know, storytelling is all about perspective, uh, no matter the genre. And even biographies have perspective, because ultimately you can never really know someone's life, as Citizen Kane uh, perfectly uh, showed. And Rashomon took that very basic concept of of lying to create a a kind of heightened drama and really examined it and and made the viewer confront it in a very, very direct way. And so miscommunication and lying are very inherent to storytelling. But are we bad creatures to want to see there's something very exciting about watching other people lying on screen and and that that is i think what creates uh, quite a bit of drama so why do we enjoy watching these characters that we ultimately fall in love with for the most part lie to each other and go through these horrible situations why is that mike hmm. i mean obviously conflict uh, is the nature of most uh i guess entertainment and um I don't know if it's <laughs> is it comfort food for us web to make us feel better about ourselves like we often watch a lot of a lot of films where we see you know you're wearing an Avengers uh now a classic Marvel Avengers shirt here but we often especially now uh, with big popcorn entertainment we're watching people be better than we could ever hope to be uh with physical prowess with mutant powers they're they're a god um but even I guess even in the Marvel films, there have been attempts, uh, probably more so with like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, to uh, show the flaws in that heroic quest, uh, what they're willing to do, uh, that they're they're not necessarily the best people. But they're also Batman or Captain America, so in the end, we know they're better people than us <laughs> because we're wearing their shirts. Uh, I would say with the selected trilogy we have here, and I guess when you get to the Last Jedi. That's where there was pushback because those were established pop icon heroes. Uh, we like to see um, characters, I wouldn't say brought low, but kicking around the idea of going low instead of high. Obviously, in our selected trilogy for this month, Nicolas Cage and Snake Eyes is the, the true hero because he rebels in <laughs> going low so many times until he's dragged kicking and screaming to do the right thing for once. I, so I don't. It's that's where I would land. That it's strangely comforting to see the uh, flaws and the humanity of these characters um, that are, you know, we have to do it again. Web when we put a classic in here, Rashomon obviously does it the best as, as far as showing us three dimensional characters uh, in this sort of high stakes drama. But it doesn't have the boob shots, so for that it is lesser than Snake Eyes. Certainly. Boob shots all the way. <laughs> and all of them deal with murder, I guess, in some way. Because Rashomon's obviously the rape slash murder case. Snake Eyes is the actual murder case. And then Last Jedi is almost murder because it's more mainstream and it's dealing with contemplating murder. Contemplating murder. That's right. Just that that series just can't get away from killing younglings just left and right. No, <laughs> just, not at if all. If you have to murder someone, make sure it's a <laughs> a kid that can't even go to a PG-13 movie yet with Jedi powers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the adorable like it, it, gosh, I I do remember that one scene, obviously, I think everybody uh, uh, finds it quite shocking, but the young 
Padawan. I don't. He's not even a Padawan. You're right. He's just a youngling at the time. But he's uh, doesn't he call him like Master Anakin? Like, what are you doing, the Master Anakin? And then all we hear <laughs> is the the lightsaber turning on. Oh my gosh! Yeah, very very haunting stuff. I just I just wish that you know there had been an extra beat where Master Anakin is like force sensitive. My ass, like <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Can't read my mind. <laughs> Now, one of the things also that we deal with these narratives, and all narratives in general, is the concept of the real events, what really happened. And I, I do wonder, do we need to know what really happened in order to be satisfied by these stories? With Rashomon, we don't really know what happened uh, because we have so many different perspectives. And then with Snake Eyes, we actually do know what happened. And there is an added benefit to having all that technology and video footage. And then ultimately with Last Jedi, I want to say we don't quite know what happened. We'd like to believe Luke. That's the ultimate goal. But because his character has been put in just a little bit of doubt, we don't ultimately know. And he he could be saving face. But because we went through A New Hope, Empire and Return of the Jedi with him, we're likely to believe his story, but there's still always that doubt. Do you need to know what happened? Well, such is the great sin of Ryan Johnson when you're doing an entry in a billion dollar uh, franchise uh, entry, which I, I think last year I did clear a billion, right? I, th- I felt like in the episode... I quoted the numbers because when the numbers back me up to, to prove my point, I go right to them. Like This film was a rousing success. I don't think that uh, the fan base is comfortable leaving any sort of wiggle room. And that's upon rewatch of Last Jedi. It was really interesting, uh, as we discussed on that episode, to see that both the, you know, the status quo hero and the, the new villain we're both basically saying the same thing. Like, let it all burn. <laughs> the, the, the old ways are gone. Um, and I feel like that's that's where, um, you know, I guess they got into trouble. Or at least, you know, we, we paid for it. All of us paid for it with uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Like, no one was satisfied. That's <laughs> that's the great <laughs> troll job of Disney. It's like, fine, fuck it. <laughs> we gave you, like, the, you know, the artsy Star Wars. You didn't like it. We'll give you more of the same shit. And then no one was happy. I, I love that outcome. <laughs> But even the Abrams supporters didn't like it. I think the fanfic people who wanted Raylo to happen, they're probably the only ones who are kind of happy with it. But you're absolutely right. Uh, whatever halfway, you know, meeting the fans halfway, I don't know what Rise of Skywalker was, but you're absolutely right. That didn't please anybody. And the ones that did, I feel like, have to overcompensate for like oh the last jedi ruined everything so they ha- i feel like they have to you could have just left it they they have to overcompensate those people for anything <laughs> in their life that's going on you bring up a i think an interesting point if you look at our trilogy in that regard i would say probably snake eyes is the bronze medal winner uh, as far as having declared of here's what's going on because even even the star wars movie with the laser swords there's there's some back and forth. There's some debate having seen the film as far as, well, was Luke telling 
you know, Ray, everything. Does Master Yoda, like who seems to be a pyromaniac at this point in his life? Is he really, inv- is he, is he, you know, he's clearly retired from the Jedi Council. He's not <laughs> investigating these allegations at all. He's like, fuck it. We're old, Luke. <laughs> we, we make mistakes. We're doddering now. But Rashomon, I think, you know, w- watching it now, um, it feels like it has, you know, predicted an entire medium of entertainment, like the the whole like true crime element of. It seems like in that fan base, even though the end goal is to find out, as you said, what happens. Clearly, like if you're a consumer of those very popular podcasts or uh, reading uh, those those nonfiction books, <laughs> it seems like the quest is the joy, not necessarily the end result. We already know the end result in that regard. Like in Rashomon, we know that there is a dead man and thankfully he gets to come with the help of a medium to the witness stand and tell his, his vengeful part. Also, maybe not entirely clear eyed. Um, but I would say that in that regard, um, it seems like not only has it had the greatest effect on cinema, but just in pop culture in general, that, um, people are very comfortable when it comes to crime stories as far as the, in the investigation process, maybe not uh, producing um, a result that has perfect clarity. And so in that regard, I think that uh, Rashomon's probably aged the best, even though it is, boy, it is decades beyond what the scope of this show, what we like to do. Like you can tell when we're really, <laughs> we're really putting on our thinking caps, like, okay, we've had enough fun. Bring in the fifties again. <laughs> Let's go back to <laughs> black and white. <laughs> I think this trilogy works like gangbusters. I, I know usually we like to ask this question towards the end. Like, did this work? Yes. It, I think it worked in a big way. And Talk, talk about clarity. Webb's saying 10 minutes into the conversation. Another rousing success. <laughs> we don't have to get to the end of the episode. <laughs> you already know it in your bones, dear listeners. Certainly. No, there, there's no lying or perspective shifting, you know, <laughs> thesis here. This is exactly what happened. I... I, I'm thrilled that you actually mentioned this. I had no idea that Rashomon's influence would reach to like ID Discovery. You're absolutely right. This is absolutely this has influenced so much more than cinema. And I mean, I guess you could say that it doesn't reinvent the wheel in terms of like, oh, this is how narratives should be. It just shine a light on it, and now it its effect is being seen everywhere. You're absolutely right that is so astute. it provides a comfortable space for the uh the unknown in a way that i think of something like uh probably from you know our time period not god this godforsaken black and white 50s let's get out of that um but the 90s like the x-files was a pop culture sensation and it was the whole premise on it was predicated on someone's quest to know but they're always sort of moving the goalposts and the, the carrot on the stick is uh, ever dangling in front of Fox Mulder's face and you just can't quite reach it. 
and it's it's interesting <laughs> like when we as a culture i guess decide all right fucking enough's enough <laughs> to just tell us what the aliens want tell us the answers <laughs> like there's there's a time period where it's it's cool to to not know and it's cool to go on that journey lost on a television very cool to have all those presented mysteries but there there was a turn at a certain point so i don't know if um this type of narrative be it fiction or non-fiction it has to be limited as far as the amount of time you're asking of people uh, because both those examples are attempting to be long-running television series uh, where that's that's how they make their money, is they stay on the air. And there is a sense of betrayal from, uh, I guess, the fans feel, although I would argue the other way, that it's actually the producers of this content that should feel the betrayal, like, hey, you were digging this, and now all of a sudden you need answers <laughs> left and right. <laughs> but when I think of something like Rashomon, which is, you know, it's a, it's a film, so it has a beginning, middle, and an end, even if the end is not definitive as far as what actually happened um or those true crime series usually in the form of a podcast it's one episode or it's a series of episodes and then that's it they don't do it for five six seven years so i guess there, there is a cap on the investment you can ask of people to like go along that that path of the unknown right and i think it does work better in film because it can be a bit more planned out. In the case of Last Jedi, maybe not because it's a franchise, so it's hard to do uh, something like that, especially when it seems like the left hand isn't talking to the right hand. Very curious, uh, considering the, the studio that uh, has really made its, its uh, bank off Marvel, which you know they proudly say we have someone steering the ship and how everything, even when filmmakers don't want it to, someone comes in from high up on Marvel and is like, uh, Ant-Man has to has to make an appearance here. And they're like, but I don't want to fucking use Ant-Man. They're like, well, you're going to use him. Because <laughs> we, we got Ant-Man coming down, the, coming down the pipe. So find a place for him. You know, he's in the back. He's at the water cooler. He can have a conversation with Falcon. Something stupid. Um, it is interesting that their approach to Star Wars was so different where it was like, let the filmmakers do what they want. And I mean... In that regard, I'm happy because I got, and I, you know, based on your comments as well, we got the Last Jedi out of this. And if they had, <laughs> if they had done the trilogy, basically if they were doing their jobs uh, for for Disney shareholders, uh, we never would have gotten uh, such such an individual voice with the Last Jedi, and we would have gotten more probably Rise of Skywalker's, or I guess the more optimistic viewpoint is you would have gotten three Force Awakens, which is. You know, it's a fine, it's a roller coaster ride, but uh, you know, I, I struggle to remember one individual scene from Force Awakens, other than you know, Harrison Ford finally gets that retirement that he had begged for for decades. <laughs> of let, let me leave this franchise for good. That's about the only thing I really remember from that film. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, just how abrupt and just head scratching it was. And that might be because Star Wars was born in the 70s, a time when autourism was very much at its peak and movies were not this sensation. Because, I mean, you know, if you really want to blame somebody, it might, might be Star Wars and Jaws. They took the concept of cinema, something that was a niche hobby, and turned it into something that could make billions of dollars eventually. And then that's what ultimately it did. And so... <sighs> the, yeah, again, art and commercialism is always we're always going to be at each other's throats when it comes to that. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. It is interesting. I'm I'm ultimately glad that uh, Disney decided to go the route of art because 
And this is something that I also fight with, whether Star Wars is art. I even go back to the original films. And I know the, the, the toys and everything that came from the product, the materialism that came from those movies, was a byproduct. And then it became the main focus eventually. So I, I do wonder, if even I go back to A New Hope, was it art or not? And maybe we'll never know, much like the narratives. And, and I, I think you're right. Ultimately, it comes down to the journey and making the assertions based on what we see. I, I think that I'll always have a place for it in my art pile, but yeah, it, it's okay if it's not. And you're right. I, you are talking about Snake Eyes, right? That's, <laughs> that's the high art we're talking about. You know what's funny is ever since... Well, you know, I feel like De Palma has been a recurring director, a recurring guest on this podcast in one way or another. And now I catch myself wondering, anytime I feel like a movie isn't quite working, I was like, why didn't De Palma direct this? I feel like he could have <laughs> saved it. And I'm, we're going to go into that with our B-sides this month because he is the savior of these, like, bad movies i feel like he can do it so no matter what the materials like, it's not working <laughs> really setting up our next episode <laughs> boy we got some trash for you <laughs> right next week <laughs> a half hour of complaints <laughs> <laughs> but yes ultimately and had it been directed by somebody like a de palma uh, they could have made it something that becomes interesting and something that we can go back to and ultimately it doesn't Rashomon we're going to go back to it again and again just like cinema just like storytellers will Snake Eyes same thing uh, even though we pointed out hey this shouldn't have this doesn't work this doesn't quite work I wish these things were different here why did it go into this territory either way there's just too much other good stuff I'm going to watch Snake Eyes again at some point are you I feel like you are as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may have already. Oh, <laughs> excellent! <laughs> that's that's the thing is that uh, God, that that first like you know ten to fifteen minutes is just so such oh, a joy. Su that, superb. Will I watch it in full again? Mm, <laughs> not so <laughs> soon, but there's definitely highlight reel segments of it. Uh, you know, it's a good. Uh, De Palma was just ahead of the game as far as making like the, the YouTube like you know highlight clip. Uh, you can basically do that. <laughs> He's basically producing sports reels in his movies where it's like, oh yeah, uh, that scene uh, is pretty good. Other than the aforementioned, uh, at least for this month, blowout, which I was banging the drum for. <laughs> Webb, Mister Johnny, come lately to that one. Um, yeah, that one, I, I think in full, I, that's probably the one I've watched the most of his filmography I've gone back to. I've only seen it once, but I know that I'm going to go back to it again and again. Uh, even with that, oh gosh, you know, the good ones, the good directors can really make you care about these characters and God, you want everything. I can't give all my blowout your commentary here that's it's gonna happen it's gonna happen ladies and gentlemen and when it does Webb will say hey i've got a great idea for a trilogy in theory we'll start with blowout and i'm gonna lose my mind again I'm, it's gonna be 10 minutes of complaining then we'll do like our four hours on blowout <laughs> certainly and then of course with last jedi i will be going back to it again the, the, uh, the frustrating here's thing a question for you on that so when you go back to because i've also gone back to it a few times 
I never watched Force Awakens first. Like, it's weird. Like, I'm watching this <laughs> as an individual film, not as an entry and franchise. And that's probably its greatest success or its greatest sin, I guess, if you're one of the haters, is that I feel like it can be pulled out and watched much like, obviously, A New Hope, which is the first entry. Um, but even Empire, I've done that as well. Like, you know, I think we both are in agreement that of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi is the one I've watched the least uh, of those, even though I've watched it a fair, you know, uh, a fair deal more than any of the other uh, Star Wars films that followed. Uh, but Last Jedi, I have just gone back to on, on its own. And that's impressive in its own regard that it can it can stick out, you know, because it's it's made by an actual filmmaker instead right. of <laughs> someone's nephew or cousin or son that's like can i play with the star wars toys this week and disney's like i guess <laughs> give the kid <laughs> give the kid lucas's toys and let him have his fun well that's a really great point i think the best uh trilogies you should be able to do that and i go back to like kind of the um nolan's batman trilogy i feel like i could watch uh dark knight and dark knight rises on their own and it, it's it's totally fine uh, because you don't need all that much setup for either one. And the setup that you do need, you kind of get right at the beginning. There's enough of it. You're also a well-known hater of Batman Begins, aren't you? I am. And I was just, God, you beat me to the point. <laughs> I was just going to say, Batman Begins the one that I've watched the least. And it, it kind of had the same Force Awakens type thing for me. Because the first time I watched it, I was I, I liked it. And I'm glad that people ultimately... And that's what they wanted. They wanted to go away from the Schumacher schlock, uh, and that's what they got. So I, I was like, okay, I actually like Superman Returns more than Batman Begins when the, they, and they came out around the same time. Whoa, you I can't know say that now. I know, I know, I can't. And then I've gone back and thought actually, about that. What no. am I saying? You couldn't even say that then <laughs> before before the allegations. People are like, what are you insane? <laughs> Superman Returns, uh, deadbeat dad Superman over Batman Begins, <laughs> right? But uh, Dark Knight was so good that I go back to Batman Begins and I reevaluate certain aspects of the script like, oh wow, this is maybe where they were going, but that's not the case. A good sequel does just that. It built upon what is already there and maybe gives things a different context. And that's kind of what The Last Jedi did. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad that we can't quite talk. There's a lot to go into with Last Jedi, and we always... And because our trilogy is so sound <laughs> in its... Uh, <laughs> In his themes that we don't even need to discuss it. And I feel bad for Rashomon and Snake Eyes that, uh, boy, do I not want follow-ups to them or prequels or anything. But we can't quite go into that territory with either of those two films, unfortunately. I, oh, and I love the, the differing perspectives in the same breath that you have that – uh, our failings are only produced by our perfection. That's the, <laughs> our foresight <laughs> is what's causing the cock-ups in this particular recording. <laughs> I know that Yoda said that failure is the greatest teacher, but I don't know, man. When you're perfect, <laughs> that in and of itself, like you can't get any better. And that's a failing on our part. This podcast is just too damn good. <laughs> <laughs> 